0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand.
1: This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson.
0: Gobble, gobble, time to step on the throttle to get through yet another scoop Podcast. It is Scoop Podcast episode 186. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I'm incredibly grateful. I am incredibly thankful for you choosing this particular podcast when you've got so many options available. We'll put a heavy emphasis on the Twins John Morrissey of MLB Network of MLB.com reporting on Tuesday late afternoon. That the Twins have talked to the Diamondbacks about Paul Goldschmidt. It would fall in line with what I brought up with Judd Zolgad on 1500 ESPN on his afternoon drive show at about 315 on Tuesday afternoon. But certainly Morrissey deserves credit. He advanced that story. But yes, the Twins have interest in all sorts of trade targets, not just Paul Goldschmidt. So I'll pass along my intel after we talk to one of the all time great managers, Lou Pinella. I think he belongs in Cooperstown. Lou Pinella is recently back from a European vacation. I'm happy to welcome him on to the Scoop Podcast. The main topic will be Rocco Baldelli, but I'll throw a couple other things. His way. After Lou, I will replay a conversation that I had with Bobby Marks of ESPN, former Nets Assistant General Manager. He was great when I filled in for Scott Korzanowski on Saturday morning, breaking down the Jimmy Butler for Robert Covington and Dario Saric trade, plus some other NBA talking points. So we'll go interview. Interview, then we'll go with the Twins notes. I got some Wolves notes, some teams showing some trade interest in Anthony Tolliver and a few other things. So lots to get to, but let's start with Lou Pinella. The Scoop Podcast is brought to you by mybookie, mybookie.com. Hopefully, you bet the over in the Rams Chiefs game from Monday night, that historic game, it went way over the 68 number. And 68 for any NFL game on an over under total is ridiculously high. And this one annihilated the over under. MyBookie, MyBookie.com. I'll tell you more about MyBookie, some of the great offers that you can jump on later on in this podcast, plus Fair State Brewing, Fair State Brewing Cooperative. I have a hunch that you might need to bring an adult beverage or two to your Thanksgiving gathering. Swing by your local liquor store or the tap room in northeast Minneapolis at Central and Lowry Fair State Brewing. Fair State Brewing Cooperative Mirror Universe is a fantastic beer. I highly recommend it. And guess what? If you're not supposed to bring an adult beverage, think about bringing an adult beverage. You can't just show up to some thanksgiving gathering and not have something in hand so even if you've been told hey don't bring anything bring something bring some fair state brewing beer it is a rock solid beer all right let's get to lou pinella sweet lou lou let's just start with your general thoughts your general reaction when you first heard the news that your former player Rocco baldelli got the job here in minnesota he is now the manager of the minnesota twins
1: well i was thrilled to death um I think it's a wonderful opportunity for him, and I think it's a wonderful hire for the Minnesota Twins organization. You know, Rocco is a, a, a really good young man. Uh, I had him when he was a rookie in, in Tampa Bay, and, and uh, I'll tell you what, a talented player. And I, I, I'm not surprised that uh, he got a major league managing job because even as a young player, he commanded respect. And he had leadership qualities in that clubhouse. So uh, I, I think it was a, a really good hire by the Twins. It's a wonderful opportunity for Rocco, and I'm so happy for him.
0: I mean, not even surprised that he got it at such a young age. I mean, he's only, what, 37 years old.
1: Well, you know, managers are getting younger and younger. They today. are, yeah. But, but, yeah, they really yeah. are. But, no, I won't tell you what. He did an outstanding job for uh, uh, the Rays as, as a first-base coach. And uh, you know, uh, being in a small market like Tampa Bay uh, bodes very well for moving over, and managing a small market team like the the Twins. So, and I think he learned a lot from uh, Cash. And uh, at the same time, uh, um, listen, I I I I I know his family, uh, and and and. This guy here is, is, is a good timber, and at the same time, uh, he, he's always been a student of the game. And, uh, no, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, he probably interviewed me very really, really well. You know, he's an astute guy. He's intelligent. So I think he'll do an outstanding job for the Twins, put it that way.
0: Lou, do you and Rocco still stay in touch pretty regularly?
1: I haven't talked to him for a while. No, I really haven't. Uh, I go to the games once in a while here in Tampa Bay, but I don't go down in the clubhouse or on the field. Uh, I just sit and and watch as a fan. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, when I first managed in Tampa Bay, we had a a very, very small payroll in the low 20s, and we just couldn't compete, really, in the American League East with the Yankees and Boston and the rest of these teams. But, you know, I, I remember... When I took the job there, um, I had three young outfielders that were outstanding, Uh, Carl Crawford in left field, Michael, my center fielder, and then another kid, Josh Hamilton, but he had some problems with with drugs, which was a shame, but he went on to be a great major league player, too, and Michael was just an outstanding center fielder and a really, really good hitter, had a really quick bat, and his career got short. Cut short because of the illness that he had or the problems that he had physically, which was really a shame. But uh, I'll tell you what, what a good player. and uh, Came to the ballpark every day with a good disposition and came to play and came to win. I, I really liked him. I remember him calling him into my office early in spring training. He and Crawford and, and, and Hamilton and telling him, oh, listen, you all don't have to make this team. You guys are going to be my outfielders. And Rocco was my opening day center fielder. Uh, hit third in the lineup and uh, did just did a really really good job. You could tell that he loved the game of baseball. That he uh, that he um, what do you call it? Uh, That he uh, uh, was interested in the history of the game. So it doesn't surprise me that he went into coaching, and it doesn't surprise me that he got this job. No, it really does.
0: Do you recall calling him into your office in 2004? So, I mean, he makes he makes your roster as, what, a 21-year-old in 21 2003. Year old. But then 2004, yeah. he gets off to a slow start. He told this story at his introductory press conference, or maybe it was right after in a small setting, a smaller setting than the big room, but he brought up the point that that you called him into your office early in 2004, so he gets off to a slow start. He's hitting like, I don't know, 120 or something like that, and you call him into your office, and he thought he was being sent down to the minors, and lo and behold, you brought him in just to pep him up. Pump him up a little bit. Yeah, pump him up a little bit.
1: Yeah, why not? Uh, Look, I recognize his talent, and I recognize that that this guy was going to be just an outstanding major league player, and, you know, the second year for, for 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 a young player is a hard one. That that that's why they call it the uh, the sophomore slump a little bit. You had an outstanding rookie season, and you know the league adjusted to him a little bit throwing them more sliders and so forth. Then I told him, I said, look, just readjust to them. handle the ball the ball on the outside of the of the ball of, of, the, of the plate, and you're going to be just fine, here, man. I said you've got loads of talent. We got nothing but confidence for you. I think he appreciated it, I really do. And uh, uh, and he went on to have uh, uh, good seasons for me, you know, and uh, but he he had this I, I don't I don't remember exactly what, uh, what, what what the what the physical problem was, but it was a, a rare thing and, and it, it, it sort of shortened his career because let me tell you this guy here was really he was quick. He had an outstanding going on. He could play center field, uh, not as good as Ken Griffey Jr., but he certainly <laughs> could play very, very well. And uh, and he had some power. He had some quickness with the bat. And uh, I know that he respected the game. But that always impressed me about him. He had uh, tremendous respect for the game. I got a chance to meet his parents. They're wonderful people. And uh, I couldn't be happier for, 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 for Rockwell. I really can't. I couldn't. I was in Europe when he was hired. Uh, traveling with my young son and, and, and my wife and, his, and my son's wife, and I was thrilled to death. We were in Paris, France, and uh, uh, I was thrilled to see that he got the job. And, and uh, I just wish him nothing but the best. I, I really, I really, I, I really mean that. I, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, and I think, I think he's gonna, he's gonna be a fine major league manager. I, I really do. I think he, 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 he will handle the media well. Uh, he'll command respect in that clubhouse, and I think that the players will really enjoy playing for him because he's certainly probably a lot more patient than I was.
0: <laughs> so you were in Paris when you found out the news? Did you just look at it on your phone? Did somebody tell you? Did somebody I, reach I out to you?
1: Call, I got a call from a, a, a nice writer there in Minnesota. I saw it. I saw it on 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 uh, on, uh, uh, on
0: CNN Europe. Uh,
1: okay, yeah. Uh, but but I got a call, and I, I didn't have I didn't have my I didn't even take my cell phone with. Me. Good for you. Yeah, I figured. Let me just go there and relax for a couple of weeks. But when I got back, I saw where somebody from uh, 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 uh,
0: Scoggins. Yeah. Oh, Chip Scoggins. Yeah, Chip is a great yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah, good buddy. Nice Yeah.
1: Guy. Yeah. He's, and and I, I, did, I didn't get a chance to talk to him about this because I was I was gone and I didn't have my phone in Europe. But uh, I saw it when I got back. But by that time, it was already two weeks later. Now, did but you have- yeah this is a wonderful opportunity for Rocco, really and 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 uh I know that the players here in Tampa Bay really liked him. I know that the organization was thrilled uh, about him and uh I'm sure that they were sorry to see him go but uh this is this is an opportunity that he had to take and and the twins you know the twins have have always been considered a, a small market team and with the experience he got in tampa bay it's gonna it's gonna bode very
0: well for him there. Did you have any interaction with any members of the Twins front office? I mean, they're incredibly diligent, Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, and company. Did they pick your brain about Rocco? Uh,
1: no, I really didn't. I, I, I haven't, no. But uh, let me tell you what, I'm sure that uh, they did their homework on this young man. And, and from what I understand, his interview blew him away. And I'm not surprised because this he's, this, this, guy's a smart kid. I mean, hes, he's uh, he really is. He's a smart kid, and, and, and like I say – He's, he's, he's well liked and 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 he respects the game. Those are all important things in, in, in being a manager. And he knows the game of baseball. He really does. For, as a young player, you, you could tell that he knew how to play the game. And I thought myself this guy here was going to be just uh, have an outstanding long career at the big leagues, and it got curtailed by by uh by 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 the what what was the problem that he had? I don't remember, yeah,
0: was I forget was. the exact health issue it did come up when he was introduced. He said that he gets regular sleep, you know, his diet is different, you know, his just his day to day. You know, everything he does is, gonna, is different, but no, lady. no. I mean, it came no, up. It I mean, really it had is. to come up in the interview process. I mean, the Twins had to ask him about it, but and, and it came sure. up, you know, with us in the media. But he said it's under control. It won't be an it's issue. I forget up. exactly what what's the specific thing that ails him, but you're right. I mean, it's been something that he's had to deal with. For a long time, yes. All right. Lou, you said you know being a manager, everything that, that goes into being a manager, you know today, how does it how does it compare to you know your heyday? How has managing a baseball team well, changed over different. the
1: years? It really is; it's it's totally different, and you know they use the analytics a lot more. Although I, towards the end of my career, I started using it myself, but yeah, they they, they, they rely on, on on the analytics a lot more than today, and I think the front office probably, especially with younger managers. Uh, they have uh, uh, a lot to say on, on on what goes on the field, and and you know there, there's a lot of bright guys, and, and not only in the Twins organization but other organizations in the front office, and they do their work uh, when when they hire these guys, and uh, I'm sure that 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 uh, that that Rocco blew them away. I I I, I, I would, I, I when when he was interviewed, and and not only that but. Let me tell you, I, I, I honestly feel this guy's going to be just an
0: outstanding, outstanding major league
1: manager.
0: All right, Lou, I would be remiss while I have you on the phone. Can I hit you with a couple other baseball topics while I have you? Uh, go on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to
1: dinner with my wife, but
0: yeah. All right, Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer recently announced his retirement. Yeah. You certainly competed against Joe. What comes to mind when I bring up Joe Maurer's name?
1: A, pro- a professional hitter. Just a professional hitter. Long career, uh, very productive. Uh, he played the game the old-fashioned way. Uh, didn't just try to pull the ball. He used the whole field to hit with. Uh, tough out. Uh, put the ball in play. Uh, yeah, I had tremendous respect for Joe. I mean, uh, this guy here was... I remember when when I was with Gillick over there in Seattle, he told me, boy, this guy here is really going to be good. And, and Pat's a really good judge of talent. And he did. He had a He had an outstanding... Uh, career and, and uh, what 15 years or so with the twins right One organization. 15
0: years yeah I mean he was the Pretty number nice. one overall pick I mean all sorts of giant expectations and in my mind I mean not only did he meet those expectations he exceeded those expectations
1: I agree with you totally you know what uh well respected you didn't see any problems with him and uh in any in any shape or form baseball lost a good ambassador. And a good player.
0: Are, are you fully retired now, Lou? You're seventy five, right? Are you fully retired? And how are you doing health wise?
1: Health wise, I had a, a little a little TIA stroke last summer, but I'm doing fine. I really am. I'm, God's been good to, good to me and my family, and and I had a long career as a as a player and as a manager. And I'm retired now, and I play a little golf and do a little fishing. And enjoy my
0: family. I'll leave you after this one, Lou, and then you can get to dinner with your wife. Do you think much about the Hall yeah, of Fame? You're sure. on this what today's game era? I'm on the ballot, yeah. yeah. You're on the ballot. I mean, we'll find out here in a couple of weeks whether you make it. Do you think about it much?
1: Yes, sir. I'm 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 honored that I'm on the ballot and that, that I'm going to be considered. Uh, and and uh, I hope that uh, I get the necessary votes. But uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's 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 good to be recognized. at at that level, and I'm hoping things uh, come out my way. You know, we'll let other people make that
0: decision. Hopefully a lot of people make the right decision, Lou. Best of luck with everything, and happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. Thank you so much. 1990 World Series champion with the Cincinnati Reds, three times manager of the year. He managed for 23 years. He is top 20 all-time in wins. That was... Lou Pinella. Unfortunately, I couldn't hit him with like three more topics. I wanted to get to him with Edgar Martinez final year on the Hall of Fame ballot. His guy in Seattle. I wanted to talk a little King Griffey Jr. Randy Johnson. He managed so many good players over the years. I'm curious if Griffey Jr. is the obvious answer to the best player that he's ever managed. We will connect again with Lou sometime closer to the baseball season, but I'm glad I was able to get him on the phone for a few minutes mostly on his pupil, Rocco Baldelli. We'll get to Bobby Marks of ESPN in just a second. Let me give some love to my bookie, mybookie.com. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you are betting with. That's why I always tell listeners of this podcast, to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are the best bet this season. And gals. I hope there's some gals that listen to the podcast. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. Just Google my bookie. You'll see all the great reviews. Their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to listeners of this podcast it has been good to me. My bookie is slammed with new betters, so you know they're doing well. So they want to give everyone the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m. Central Time, they will give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Use the promo code SCOOP SCOOP to activate the offer. Also, if you join now, my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar it is my bookie com. Mybookie dot com. don't forget to use the promo code scoop you play you win you get paid they have in-game live betting over-unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business it is my bookie a reminder you play you win you get paid all right here is bobby marks analyzing the jimmy butler trade do you view it as a good deal for both teams i mean so far it looks okay jimmy was phenomenal last night in philadelphia's win over utah and the wolves are three and oh since moving jimmy butler
2: yeah i mean i think you know based on um based on the circumstances um which you know certainly been well documented over the last couple months um compared to what was offered you know either from houston um you know maybe we can pick apart what miami had put on the table if it was josh richardson but i think you know you you know as the you know days go by you kind of lose a lot you know a little bit of leverage and uh I, i'm a i am a big fan of uh, robert covington and Dario sarge i didn't think you're going to get you know an all-star out of uh you know in a in jimmy butler trade just based on you know the leverage that you have and i think it i think the kind of the way the world has kind of been lifted off the shoulders of you know tom Thibodeau and that organization and, and you see it in that that 3-0 record right now where guys are kind of just playing freely and and uh, and it balances your roster out a little bit you know you've got you know, with you know Andrew at the two and, and Covington at the three, and you can have Sarge either come off the bench or uh, start for you. Um, so I'm, I I like the trade. You know, I thought both teams. You know, that it's kind of what both teams needed. I think after a week ago, when we watched uh, that debacle in Sacramento with Minnesota, and then you saw Philly blow a you know a twenty point lead at home to Charlotte. Um, you know, they were missing a closer, and you get that with uh, Jimmy Butler. And, uh, and Minnesota was just looking to get, try to get some closure here, and, uh,
0: and they achieved that. Bobby, on your comment about a weight being lifted in all your time working for the Nets, did you guys ever move a player, move on from a player where you could see with the team that, you know, quote, unquote, a weight was lifted? Because I'm not quite sure how to quantify that. But, yeah, just watching the Wolves, watching Carl Anthony Towns smile more than I've seen him smile in a long time this week with the Wolves going 3-0, and without Jimmy 2-0 and with the new guys. I mean, heck, they played really well on Wednesday against a decent New Orleans team. They blew out a good Portland team last night. I mean, they beat them by 16. It does seem like that a weight has been lifted.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think probably the, the, the closest was would probably be when we moved uh, with Jason Kidd in, in 2008 just because, um, you, know, it's, you know, it's a very similar situation Um you know, Jason missed a game with a so-called migraine. Um, you know, we had hit a peak where we've, um, you know, basically that run ended about, you know, six years in, and he wanted to be traded to a team where he can win a championship. And, uh, you know, we, we moved him to Dallas and wound up getting Devin Harris back, and it did give us a boost, you know, in in the short term. I think a lot of it will depend on now how. It's, it's similar to when a coach gets fired. Usually you get that, you know, two-game boost, um, you know, kind of rejuvenates the franchise. It's just a matter of can you sustain it. Um, can you sustain it long-term? And, yeah, I mean, I think the Portland win last night and how they went about doing it, um, you know, says a lot about the organization, I think. But, you know, I don't know how much you can take out of the Brooklyn win with, with, uh, with LaVert being out, getting hurt, and then Jared Allen not playing. Um, you know, the win during the week certainly against uh, a New Orleans team with, uh, you know, with Anthony Davis, you know, certainly helps. But I thought last night was kind of a signature win, and, you know the hard part is you know trying to make up some ground from you know the past month in that in that western conference which is certainly a um a, you know as a, as a bear to get through
0: yeah I mean even with the three game winning streak now it's tightly contested but the wolves are still only in 13th place Bobby in the Western Conference <laughs> so seven and nine overall 13th place even after five consecutive home wins and the three wins this week so you're right I mean speak on that how competitive the Western conference is how tough. The hole that they are currently in will be tough to dig out of.
2: Well, that's the key. And I was talking with a uh, you know a, a GM from a Western Conference team yesterday, and, and you know we were just talking about the standings. And, and I and I said to him like, you, you know, you can't if you go through a stretch where you're losing three or four games in a row, you're, it's, it will bury you. It, it's basically you just kind of got keep your head above water, and, and hopefully you can run off a, a certain amount of games. Um, I, I think there is a little bit more. Um, you know, less. I would say less separation maybe this year, based on where Golden State is, and then you've got a lot of teams in that, in that ten to five, ten and five range, nine and six. You know, some teams right around um, five hundred. But you know, when you look at with with what the Lakers are doing and what Denver is doing, two teams that did not make the playoffs here, and then you're looking like, well, who are the two teams that are going to be out? And that's going to be the hard part if if you know if those, both those teams are are likely going to be in the playoffs.
0: How do you view Sarich long-term? I mean, eventually the Wolves need to make a decision on a long-term extension for him. Is he the kind of player that you would pay $15, $16 million a year to?
2: Well, I think that you have a, you know, almost a a one-year trial basis. He's extension eligible next summer, um, you know, but... Um, you know, stretch fours like him are you know hard to find in the league. You know, young stretch fours um, can kind of do a little bit of, of everything. You know, hadn't hadn't shot the ball great before. Um, you know, be before the trade, kind of struggled a little bit in, in, in Philadelphia. I think a lot of it has to do with you know the, the cap is going to be rising again. Uh, if you're paying a player like Dario Sarge, which is probably going to cost you, as you said, probably 14 to 15 million dollars, I think you can ju- you can justify it because that Gibson contract is going to come off your books this year. Um, eventually that Jeff key contract is going to come off the books. So you need those younger players. Um, if you don't have that flexibility to kind of step up, say that with Tyus Jones and as far as what you do doing in the draft. So I think it gives you a good, you know, a good one year kind of trial basis, um, almost a tryout to figure out if Dario is long-term. Um, but that's the beauty of it. When you get a player who's, you know, you've got controllable contracts. Um, you know, with Robert Robertson, year one of that of that, um, you know, he's got a couple more years left on that, on that renegotiation that he did last year, and, and, mm-hmm. and with Dario,
0: yeah, and I like Robert. I mean, I don't know if there's still a ceiling there, but even if he has hit his ceiling, I think Covington's a pretty good player.
2: He is a guy that uh, is probably a sixth man on a you know on a Golden State type team, um, but he is a, a real good player. He's a, he's a rare the rare two way guy that can kind of play. You know, both ends of uh, the court, and you've got them on a contract. It's basically what the the uh, the, the mid level exception is going is going to be. So yeah, I mean, yeah, hey, you're never going to win the trade when you're moving an all star. I've learned that multiple times, either with, uh, as I said, with uh, with Jason Kidd, um, you know, players like that. Um, but you can get pieces back that can help you, and, and it's it's a lot, lot similar to what Toronto did a couple, uh, I guess, five or six years ago, when they moved Rudy Gay, and you've got. You got Patrick Patterson and Grievous Vasquez, players like that, that weren't, you know, all-star levels, but it helped balance that roster out. It got them into the playoffs um, eventually. And as I said, kind of a weight was
0: lifted. Bobby, I saw you tweeting about this last night, Jimmy Butler's post-game comments (laughs) from Philly last night, late last night. Now, Jimmy was great. I don't have his line score in front of me, but he was like 8 of 12 from the field, had like 28 points. I mean, he willed Philadelphia. To a victory last night over Utah, then post game, he said, quote, so much more fun to play with these guys. Everybody <laughs> wants to win, and when somebody messes up, you talk to them. They don't take it personal, and they do their job. I mean, reading between the lines, Bobby, <laughs> it sure reads like, sounds like a shot at Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, and some others.
2: Uh, I think that's what it was, and yeah, I, I agree with you. Hey, Jimmy Butler's a, a top 15 player. I mean, he is, and I think you know, he, he got when he was traded. He led the league in fourth quarter points. You know, I think that's what was missing in that loss in, to Orlando, and you saw it last night. The the um, you know how good Jimmy is, but yeah, it was a shot across the bow, and it, and it's it's ironic. And I said, yeah, you could probably say a lot of Timberwolves probably, players could probably say the same thing. And I, I my big thing with the Jimmy Butler saga is that. I, I don't want to use the word, but I will. I thought he quit on the players there. I thought mm-hmm. he quit on the organization. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. I mean, the the Sacramento game last Friday night was a was a embarrassment for a player that's making $20 million to go out there and play like that. And I thought the last two months was an embarrassment as far as how he handled things here. And, you know, him or his agent could probably say elsewhere, but for somebody who's been part of the league for over 20 years – um, I, I just thought he quit on the on, on the team here, and he got his wish. He got to get he got out of Minnesota, and both organizations move on. and And I wish I wish he hadn't said that, but hey, that's the uh, that's where we are right now in in you know in this league.
0: I mean, he deserves all sorts of criticism. I think the Wolves do too. I mean, why didn't they find him, suspend him, Bobby? I mean, he just he set out the first three weeks of of training camp slash the preseason, and the Wolves chose not to do anything. The Wolves should have made a statement right then and there.
2: Well, I think he has. He should really thank you know Coach Thibodeau. I mean, because rarely do you have an ally in in the situations just because on their relationship in in Chicago that you know what Tom's trying to give him the the you know the benefit of the doubt here with what was going on. You know, yeah. I mean, I think there's kind of blood all over everyone's hands as far as how everyone handled this this um, this situation. I mean, if you go to the, the fine route or the suspension route, do you, you, you think internally does that lose leverage as far as from a player? But you know, it, it did not help. You know, as far as you know, it was, it was a circus atmosphere because each, you went into each game not knowing if Jimmy Butler was going to play or the next game. It's very hard to game plan for your for your own self, and um, I think it's a lear, it's a learning experience that um, that everyone went through. Um, you know, if this ever happens again down the road,
0: how do you view Derrick Rose? I mean, he's been he's been phenomenal so far this year, the sixth man in the league. I mean, however you want to view it, he's. He's been really good. I mean, heck, he had a 50-point game for Pete's sakes. But he dominates the ball so much. He shoots the ball so much. He's on a one-year deal, especially if Tom Thibodeau isn't here next year. I don't think Derek Rose is here next year. Like Last night, Joshua Kogi, a rookie who I really like, only got in in garbage time. He like played the final two minutes. So it looks like he's out of the rotation, even though that's fluid. He was out of the rotation last night. Yeah, Derrick Rose is going to play a ton of minutes and he's going to take a ton of shots so how do you weigh that you know if if you're a Wolves fan you know how do you view Derrick Rose taking all these shots dominating the ball but knowing that long term he's probably not here
2: well that's the balancing act that you are trying to uh to figure out here and that it almost goes back to with the, with the Jimmy Butler you know why they well, he wasn't moved right away because you were trying to win games and um, you know, I think how this season plays out, if they do fall out of playoff contention when we get close to that to that the trade deadline, do, do some of the younger players get a chance? But, yeah, I mean, you paid a lot of money to Carl Anthony Towns. You paid a lot of money to Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I don't know if you paid a lot, all that money, $148 million for Andrew Wiggins to stand in the corner and watch Derrick Rose dominate the ball. Um, but it's a good story. Hey, it, it's a guy that's making a minimum. That, uh, And realistically, honestly, I thought three weeks ago that I didn't know if he deserved to be in the league. Because of how he was playing, and then he goes out and has that fifty-point game. So it, it's a hard thing because it's it's one of Tibbs' guys, and it's you know, and you are he is the goal right now for this organization is to try to win games, if it's at the sacrifice of maybe some of the younger players.
0: Do you like Okogi? Have you seen enough of Okogi to think that he should be in the Wolves' rotation? I do. I, I compare him to a player
2: that they had an opportunity of getting. I think he's a younger version of of Josh Richardson down in in, in Miami. I, I really do. A guy that can kind of, you know, two way guy that can kind of play both ways. Um, you know, I think he's still a little bit a, a little bit more of a developmental project, but that will come. I mean, the hardest thing is, you know, how do you get these players to get some game experience? You know, not really just the end of game, you know, playing three or four minutes in garbage time, but you got to throw them out there and, and see. Kind of almost in that sink or swim mode here. But yeah, I do. I mean. You know, wing players is hard to get in in the league, um, either in in the trade or free agency, and and they've got one that they got in the draft, and at a, you know, at a, at a pick that was in the, I guess it was in the, in the early twenties there.
0: Yeah, I mean, pick twenty. Yeah, I mean, I like him. So my hope is that last night was was a mirage. That it's not the trend that we see Okogie tomorrow against Memphis. We see him moving forward. I'll let you go after this, Bobby. You know, not just the Wolves. I mean, certainly the Wolves have some trade candidates still as we approach the trade deadline in early February. But how about league-wide? Who are some names that you're keeping an eye on? I guess also from a buyout standpoint. I mean, we just saw Tyson Chandler get bought out of his deal in Phoenix, and he's already making an impact with the Lakers. So how about some names you're keeping an eye on these next couple months from a trade standpoint, from a buyout standpoint?
2: Well, I mean, I think from buyout standpoint, it's it's based on where the records are going to go. You know, Chicago certainly has, you know, with Robin Lopez, Justin Holiday, two potential buyout guys, or – uh, the trade candidates, you know, in Sacramento, if, 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 the, if the Kings, you know, kind of flounder and that record goes a little bit south as far as what happens with, um, you know, with uh, Zach Randolph here. Um, you know, it's interesting in Golden State as far as the drama out there. I think that will kind of, go, um, you know, that will kind of, you know, you know, not be a, as big of a deal maybe a month from now. And the interesting thing with Bob Myers, their general manager, is that they've never made an in-season trade, you know, when this run started. Which is amazing. They have made five trades in the last five or six years, and all of them have been in the uh, in, in the off season. Wow! So, yeah. I, I think you know, with what happens with Mello in, in Houston, as far as is it is that is that the last stop for him? Um, you know, I think that will play out when we get closer to December fifteenth, when his when his uh, his trade restriction is lifted. But I haven't seen the league, and I think Brian Windhorst wrote about it earlier this week that we, you know, there was a sense of urgency. You know, two weeks into November, usually we we go through a period of 20 games. We get to December one, and then and then everyone says, "All right, this is where our team is." And you know, certainly with the with the Jimmy Butler trade, with Chandler being bought out, that it seems like the the calendar was pushed up a little bit here.
0: You think Miami's going to regret not finding a way to finish a Jimmy Butler trade? Although Josh Richardson again last night, like I hope, I hope you're right, Bobby, that. That Josh Okogie can eventually turn into Josh Richardson, but Okogie has a long way to go with the jump shot. I mean, Richardson last night made seven threes. Josh Richardson is one heck of a player.
2: Well, now it's the hard thing with Miami. You know, I mean, you if they would you, if they would have lost to Richardson, then you replace them with 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 a Butler, and I, I think it would have made them interesting. I don't know how much better they would have been would have been just because they've got you know, with Kelly Olenek and Dan Waiters and James Johnson, Tyler Johnson, I you know, I call them they're kinda of like a vanilla team. You know, they've gotta play hard every night to have a chance. And if they don't, they're going to get their, their doors blown off. And I, 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 with Jimmy Butler or without Jimmy Butler, I thought that team was kind of like a 40-42 to 42 win team. That
0: was my conversation with Bobby Marks, former Nets assistant GM, ESPN analyst, when I filled in on Saturday morning sports talk. We'll get to notes in just a second. Let me tell you about Fair State Brewing Cooperative. They are the Upper Midwest's first member-owned brewery. They specialize in delicious sours, lagers, and hoppy ales. They recently re-released Mirror Universe. I had Will on Twitter send me a nice pick over the weekend. He was at his local liquor store. He picked up some Mirror Universe. It's a double dry hopped hazy IPA brewed with wheat, oats, citric mosaic, and Eldorado hops. It was a limited offering in the spring. Now it's available year-round. Look for it at your local bars and liquor stores. Liquor stores, just like Will. Or swing by the tap room in northeast Minneapolis at Lowry and Central. Think about Fair State Brewing for your Thanksgiving gathering. I hinted at this in my appearance on 1500 ESPN on Tuesday at 3.15. Certainly podcastable, my appearance with Judd Zolgab. But John Morrissey of MLB Network, MLB.com. Gets credit for advancing the story. The Twins have talked to Arizona about Paul Goldschmidt. No sense that talks are far along, but interesting nonetheless. I can advance the story from this standpoint. Arizona is definitely looking for pitching. How much pitching? Remains to be seen. Maybe you can throw in a position guy or two, but I would be surprised when Arizona deals Goldschmidt, and I do think it's more when, not if, entering the final year of his deal. I will be surprised if Arizona doesn't get back one solid pitching prospect or one solid major league pitcher. They are after arms. I hear that Zach Granke's name has also come up. Now, he's got a ton of money left. And I'm sure Arizona would have to eat some of that money, but his name has come up. I hear that the Twins have talked to Cleveland, specifically about who? I need to dig a little bit further, but hey, Cleveland is open to dealing a lot of guys. Kluber, Carrasco go up and down the list. The Twins have talked to teams about trading for a starting pitcher. I hear they inquired with Seattle about James Paxton before Paxton went to New York, the Yankees. So it might be more likely that the Twins acquire a good starter this winter via a trade than through free agency. They have had dialogue with the agents for the top two free agents, Dallas Keuchel, Scott Boros, and Patrick Corbin of ISE. Now, on Corbin, the word is the Twins like him a lot, but the price point right now is too high. It's hard for me to see the Twins going five or six years at 18 to $22 million a year, maybe more, on a free agent deal. I'm just telling you. I think it is more likely they trade for a good pitcher than sign one. But there has been dialogue with the agents for the top two free agent starters. In no particular order, I'll keep going. I'm actually up against it because I have some TV duties. Hey, oh, by the way, if there's a sponsor or two listening, if you want to go all in, I'd love to do this five days a week. I'd love to do a podcast five to six to ten times a week. How about that? But the TV job is the main job for right now, so duty is calling. So I need to empty out the notebook as fast as possible. I am taping this before 40 man moves became official. By the time you listen to this, they may be official. The twins adding on Monday night Nick Gordon and Lamont Wade. There was no buzz on Nick Anderson or Jake Reed as of Tuesday afternoon. I also reported on Twitter Tuesday morning that Tyler J, the Twins took him with the number six overall pick a few years ago. The word is the Twins are not adding Tyler J to their 40-man roster. The Twins have talked to the agent for DJ LeMayhew. So not only are they interested in acquiring a starter this offseason, they are looking to add a couple infielders. They have not had any dialogue on these free agents, which surprises me. Cody Allen, Nelson Cruz – now, a reminder, Scott Boros, in addition to having Keuchel, has Marwin Gonzalez. The Twins have asked about Gonzalez. The Twins met with the Levinson brothers. At the GM meetings, they have Joe Kelly, Daniel Murphy, Familia, Ivaldi. There are some Ivaldi fans here, although if some team blows Ivaldi out of the water with an offer, I'm not quite sure, that will be the Twins. Again, in no particular order. I just scribbled a bunch of stuff down. Twins director of scouting, Sean Johnson, last week, took in Team USA under 18 games. Draft prep. Never slows down. The Twins have not talked to Kyle Gibson about an extension. I actually wonder if he is potential trade bait. Or do the Twins just enter the final year of his deal? But I can tell you for sure the Twins have not talked to Gibson or the Gibson camp about a contract extension. I texted with Mike Redmond, the former Twin, former Marlins manager. He is now the Rockies bench coach. He thinks the world of Tony Diaz, the Twins' new third base coach. All right, on the Wolves, I know there are some teams wondering about Anthony Tolliver. He is rotting away on the bench. Makes no sense to me. That's just my opinion. Anthony Tolliver should be playing. Recall that the Clippers and Mavericks were big fans of Tolliver's in the summer. That fandom has not slowed down. I'm sure there's other teams interested in Tolliver, and nothing is imminent, but he is a name to watch as we approach the trade deadline, especially if the Wolves are not going to use him. You may as well send him somewhere. So he can play. I've gotten a few Bradley Beal questions. Yes, the Wolves did ask about Beal when the Wizards called in mid-September asking about Jimmy Butler. Washington said, no, we are not trading you Bradley Beal for Jimmy Butler. The Wizards were willing to do Otto Porter for Jimmy Butler. The Wolves said, no, we are not doing Butler for Porter. But the Wolves, like a lot of teams, are big fans of Bradley Beal. Do I see a logical match between the Wolves and Wizards when it comes to Bradley Beal? I don't. In the end... Actually, I'm not even sure that the Wizards trade Bradley Beal. Maybe it's Porter. Maybe it's Oubre. Maybe they make some other moves. I think you build around Bradley Beal. There's no reason to trade Bradley Beal, but they are gauging value across the league. I'm just telling you, though, there's no sense that there's a match with the Wolves. The Wolves are not moving Carl Anthony Towns. I was also asked, I actually hopped into a Twitter back and forth with the dunking with wolves for wolves i forget what their moniker is but the dunking guys on twitter they like to throw out a lot of trade scenarios you know it's their opinion it generates web traffic they throw out all sorts of different trade rumors they just concoct different ideas and an idea they had on tuesday was hey the wolves should call washington and offer andrew wiggins for otto porter so i took it a step further i have well put it this way i have somebody that's very close to the Wizard situation. I reached out to this individual. He was kind enough to text me back. The Wizards would not do Wiggins for Otto Porter. Again, this was completely made up. It was fun. Twitter fodder. This is not actually something that is being discussed, has been discussed. The Wolves are not even remotely close to shopping Andrew Wiggins. But it's fun fodder. But I'm just telling you, the Wizards would not do straight up Porter for Wiggins. But they don't necessarily dislike Wiggins. I mean, heck, if the Wolves want to do Wiggins and Okogie, Wiggins and a future first. Now, the Wolves, again, are not doing that, but there could be a potential match. But I'm telling you, straight up, the Wizards would not do Otto Porter for Andrew Wiggins. Brian Pauga, Wolves personnel guy, I love this. He's got the Maui trip, the Maui Invitational. Hey, somebody has to suck it up. And go to Maui to scout Duke, Zion Williamson. Crying for Zion, not trying for Zion. R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish. There's other NBA prospects there as well. Auburn's got some guys. Gonzaga. It's a good collection of teams at the Maui Invitational. So Brian Pauga of the Wolves is in Maui right now scouting. I know the Wolves have a scout in Vancouver watching the Gophers and company at the Vancouver Showcase. The Wolves also had a scout, Tim Buckley, at the Charleston Classic over the weekend with Purdue, Virginia Tech, And some other teams. The Wolves have not inquired on Joe Kim Noah, who appears to be Memphis-bound. Kevin Garnett, of course, was at Friday's game. I was asked a few times, hey, did KG and Glenn Taylor catch up at all? The answer is no. KG bailed quickly after the game on Friday. He caught up briefly with Gary Trent Sr. Gary Trent Sr. was there for his son. Gary Trent Jr., the former Apple Valley High School star, he got in against the Wolves, and he scored a few points in his adopted hometown. All right, on the Vikings front, the Vikings scouted these college games last weekend. Gophers Northwestern, Fresno, San Diego State, Iowa, Illinois, and Tulane, Houston. On the injury front, I think it's more likely than not that David Morgan, unfortunately, misses another game. It's fluid. Let's see how practice goes Wednesday and Thursday. But when he initially hurt his knee in the Detroit game, I was told it might be a few weeks. This is not a season-ending injury. David Morgan will be back, but don't be surprised if he doesn't play against the Packers. Anthony Barr, heck, he told some people he thought he'd be back for the Bears game. I thought he would be back for the Bears game. He told me in the locker room on Monday he will be back after missing three games with that hamstring injury for the Packers game. Anthony Miller scored that touchdown for the Bears against the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. He visited the Vikings pre-draft Back in April, the Vikings had a healthy pre-draft opinion of Anthony Miller. I was watching Monday Night Football. Heck, who wasn't? Rams, Chiefs, what a game. The Rams have a defensive player, a linebacker, Samson, E-B-U-K-H-A-M, E-B-U-K-H-A-M. I don't want to mispronounce his last name anyway. He scored two touchdowns for the Rams. He visited the Vikings pre-draft one year ago before the 2017 draft. What else do I have written down? I connected with Jalen Suggs. He's the starting quarterback for SMB. That's a co-op with Blake, Minnehaha Academy, and St. Paul Academy. They were practicing at the Gophers facility on Monday. How about that? Practicing at the Gophers facility. P.J. Fleck even took some time to address SMB. Hey, why not? He's offered three SMB players, Craig McDonald, Caden Johnson, and Jalen Suggs. I had a chance to catch up with Jalen. He speaks the world of P.J. He says they talk and text all the time. He loves P.J. Fleck. Now, I still think Jalen Suggs will play basketball, not football at the collegial level, but I'm just telling you, Jalen Suggs thinks the world of Fleck. So does Caden Johnson. Johnson is a big fan of Flex. Suggs, by the way, took an unofficial visit over the weekend to Alabama. Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Zeke Naji of Hopkins, one of the 30 best players nationally in the class of 2019, will announce his collegiate choice. On Friday, unfortunately for Gophers fans, he eliminated the Gophers a while back. He is down to Baylor, Purdue, UCLA, Arizona, and Kansas. He did visit North Carolina over the weekend, but North Carolina offered too late. I'm told his pick on Friday will not be North Carolina. I also will say this. I'm not going to ruin the young man's announcement, but it is awfully hard to beat the Blue Bloods. And I would say we can debate who's a blue blood, who's not a blue blood. I would say he's got, of his final five, three blue blood offers. So I'll let you do the math. Who's still alive? Who's not alive? But all the best to Zeke Naji as he makes his college announcement on Friday at the Lindbergh Center at noon. I was asked if Paige Beckers of Hopkins, Star Jr., she can name the college that she'll play for. I was asked if she was at the Gophers opener, the sellout crowd, the victory over New Hampshire. She was not – but she's been on campus a few times. She has developed a good relationship with Lindsay Whalen. Her dad was there. It is still going to be very, 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 very tough for the Gophers to land Paige Beckers. But at least she's giving them something to think about. I can tell you this much. If Marlene Stallings was still the coach, and hey, Marlene won. She got a big raise to go to Texas Tech. All the best to Marlene. Paige Beckers was not coming to play for Marlene Stallings. The Gophers would not be on Paige's radar if Marlene was still here. So Lindsey Whalen puts the Gophers on Paige's radar. Kendall Lindeman is transferring from the Gopher softball team. I hear, put it this way, it is really hard to be the coach that replaces the coach. Emphasis on the coach, Jessica Allister, who left for a better job a year ago at Stanford. I hear this past year was a big-time transition for many of the girls. There may be even more fallout. They've lost a couple behind-the-scenes people. I just hear it's an interesting dynamic right now with the Gophers softball team. Irv Cross, legendary broadcaster, former McAllister AD. Love Irv. What a great man. 80 years old. He did a story with us at Channel 5. He is donating his brain for research. Unfortunately, he's dealing with some dementia issues. He is not doing great health-wise, but hopefully Irv is with us for Many, many more years. Just a great, great NFL ambassador, broadcaster, player, all that good stuff back in the day. For a lot of you young people listening, you have no idea who Irv Cross is. Google Irv Cross. Learn about Irv Cross. It is well worth your time. All right, I had a few other things jotted down, but I need to call it a podcast. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. Support my bookie, mybookie.com. And Fair State Brewing Cooperative, Fair State Brewing Mirror Universe. They help keep the podcast going. That does it for Scoop Podcast Episode
3: 186. Hi, this is Danny LaRouve, the Real GM Radio Podcast and while the NBA season is still pretty new there are some interesting storylines going on and for me one of them is let's call it a shift in expectations because there are a couple teams that we expected to be not necessarily pushing the accelerator in the early going in the season maybe seeing Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson this purportedly strong 2023 draft class and going hey we could be a part of that and that would be the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs both teams are over 500 with some nice wins and this isn't fluke They're playing well so far, and so we will see how they build on this, how they react to it. Do they keep pushing, see if it can keep going, or do they change directions through trades and everything else? So that'll be something to watch in this year where the draft class is, is strong and these teams have incentives going in both directions. Hi, this is Daniel LaRue from the Real GM Radio podcast.